Hello, Marquette basketball fans. Welcome to a special edition of the Golden Break. I'm your host, Adam Woke. Shout out to the production team, Jeff Jubilina, Matt Micus, and Dr. Keegan, who has been gracious enough to host a preview for the DePaul basketball game with Steve Newhouse from WeAreDePaul.com is going to join us, give us a little bit of his take on this DePaul team, uh, and see how this game is going to match up tomorrow night. And also, two coaches are mic'd up. Should be pretty interesting. Let's kick it over to Dr. Keegan. We are here with Steve Newhouse at WeAreDePaul.com, and he's here to give us some insight on DePaul's new coaching regime heading into tomorrow night's game at the Pfizer. Steve, thank you for coming on with us. Hi, Mike. Thanks. Glad to be here. Okay, we'll kick it off with, uh, you know, both Marquette and DePaul made coaching changes this offseason. Would you be able to give us some insight into how the hiring process went down and maybe some background on Tony Stubblefield before he came to DePaul? Sure. Well, the hiring process was was interesting. Um, you know, DePaul Athletic Director Dwayne Peavy, uh, pretty much from the get-go, uh, it seemed pretty obvious that he was zeroed in on Kenny Payne, um, who was uh, with the Knicks and previously at Kentucky. And, you know, it made a lot of sense in that they were familiar with one another, had worked together at Kentucky uh, for a long time. And it certainly seemed like that was a the direction they were going to go in until uh, Kenny Payne kind of uh, turned the job down uh, almost kind of pub- publicly. Uh, so then after that happened, they kind of had to reset the search a bit. Mm-hmm. And what I think, you know, PV did was he, he said, okay, well, I can't get Kenny Payne. Maybe I can find someone who's like Kenny Payne in some ways. And when you look at Tony Stubblefield, he kind of is, they do have some similarities there in that they were both guys who were assistant coaches at a very high level, guys mm-hmm. who were deserving of head coaching opportunities, but for one reason or another, hadn't received that opportunity yet. Uh, so I, I think he looked at Tony Stubblefield, saw some of those same qualities that he was looking for in Kenny Payne and said, okay, you know, th- here's my guy. Um, So, you know, pulled the trigger and brought uh, Tony Stubblefield on board. And, you know, as far as his background, um, you know, he's had worked under uh, a number of head coaches that were successful, you know, going back to when he was at New Mexico State, you know, worked for Hall of Fame coach uh, Lou Henson there. Um, And then he goes to Cincinnati, works for Mick Cronin. You know, they have some success together there. Uh, and then he goes to Oregon, where things really start to take off for him, um, and working for Dana Altman. Uh, so, you know, where they, they go to a Final Four, you know, last season it was in the, you know, the Elite Eight, uh, almost to the Final Four. And um, had a lot of success, and he was able to recruit at a very high level there. Uh, at Oregon, uh, had a lot of five-star prospects, a lot of success on the recruiting trail. Uh, so again, in some respects, similar to Kenny Payne in that he recruited at a very high level. Uh, so that was pretty much his background and kind of what they were looking for uh, in, you know, in the, the filling this default job. So yeah, so he's worked under, you know, three high-level head coaches, 
what kind of X's and O's uh, has he kind of installed so far at DePaul? So how has kind of his approach to both offense and defense been a little bit different than what you've seen over the past few regimes? Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Stubblefield uh, definitely understands the importance of the three-point shot. Um, you know, he, he looks to spread the floor more, um, try to create three-point opportunities. Uh, he may not have all the shooters that he needs to be able to do that just yet. Um, I know he liked to have guys who are capable of knocking down the three from at least four out of the five positions on the floor. Um, I don't think they're there right now, um, but I think that's definitely the direction he wants to go in. Um, and uh, he definitely likes to go up-tempo. Uh, on the defensive side of things, it, you know, plays a lot of man-to-man. Uh, he will press from time to time. Uh, and he, he will, you know, throw in some matchup zone in there as well. You know, likes to mix things up. Um, particularly in the game against Louisville. Uh, the Louisville head coach was rather surprised, you know, that they threw some zone at him. It's like, yeah, I had been seeing that all season long from him. So let's so switch things up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll switch things up um, from time to time. Sure. Okay. So Marquette fans are going to be excited to hear that because we're top five in, um, in, in pace of play, offensive pace of play. And it looks like the, Paul, and, and you mentioned it, uh, likes to play up tempo too. So do you foresee this, this uh, game tomorrow night being, uh, you know, in the hundreds, maybe 90, <laughs> hundreds? I don't know about, about that high. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say out of all the teams you look at in, in the big East, um, the three that like to go up tempo the most are St. John's Marquette and, and DePaul. That's for sure. Um I think for DePaul to be successful, though, they need to get better on the defensive end. If you saw the game they played against at St. John's, um, you know, scoring in the 90s was not something that was good for them in that game. Uh, They definitely need to do better on the defensive end in in trying to keep that down. Okay, so who are a couple of standout players this year that we should be on the lookout for tomorrow night? Well, uh, the guy who's leading the uh, Big East in scoring right now, uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty, mm-hmm. uh, obviously is, is a guy that they rely on a lot. In the last game against Villanova on Saturday, maybe they relied on him a little bit too much. Uh, there have been some games where he's had to take over uh, and not get a lot of support. Uh, so uh, obviously, you know, he's he, a player who's done real well. Um, but you would like to see a more balanced offense, ideally for them to be successful. Uh, yeah. uh, David Jones or Davey um, is a guy who's kind of stepped up um, from where he was last season in that he came in mid-season as a freshman in, in January, you know, got some playing time here or there. You could see the potential that he had. And then if you look at him last year versus this year, it's, it's almost night and day. You know, he, now he's, you know, got that freshman year, kind of half year out of the way and under his belt. And uh, is definitely, you know, when he's been healthy, uh, has uh, really looked good. 
um, and he had a really good second half at St. John's. Um, first half, not so great. Uh, he also pretty much was the guy who uh, almost single-handedly won that game for them at Louisville. Um, he really, you know, kind of came out and uh, starred in that game. Uh, so that's someone to, to, to look for. Absolutely. Those two guys. So Freeman Liberty, so he's always been kind of like a high volume shooter, but I noticed that this year his efficiency kind of, you know, spiked. What do you attribute that to? And has he kind of come out and said anything different about how Stubblefield's unit using him versus, versus previous coaches? Well, I think the one difference with how Stubblefield is using him with uh, versus previous coaches is he's playing on the ball a lot more now mm. than he was last year when DePaul had, you know, Charlie Moore playing the point and yeah. uh, Javon was playing off the ball. Uh, so he's playing on the ball more, um, maybe not quite as much. I mean, they will put uh, Jalen Terry out there uh, and have Jalen on the ball allow uh, Javon to play off that way too. Uh, so that's really the big difference for him. And as you said, he's a volume shooter. Um, there are some games where his productivity, uh, you know, hasn't been the greatest, but there have been others where he's been doing pretty good. And um, the last game against Villanova, he got to the free throw line quite a bit and, and was pretty efficient from the free throw line. Although DePaul is a team, has not been a very good free throw shooting team. Okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of a joke that Marquette fans have is that we have great free throw percentage defense. Uh, I don't really know how much you could control that. Maybe just following, uh, following <laughs> um, the team's worst free throw shooters, I guess. But uh, I guess that's probably something that uh, might play a factor in the game tomorrow night. Um, it has to be one of the most meaningless statistics there are. <laughs> has to be one of the most meaningless statistics, but I love it. I love meaningless statistics. Um, so when you look at a new coaching hire like this, um, you can oftentimes kind of see some, some green shoots early on, you know, whether or not a guy kind of has it, but you really need to give him, you know, a few years, get more of like his group of guys in the system to get a real sense for what he can do. Um, so when you look at, had maybe four years, five years, what would you say if, 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 if you were to say this is a successful coaching hire, what would you want to see out of Stubblefield's program? And that's something I definitely have some perspective on in that I can take a look at the last several DePaul coaches and say, you know, what was it? Uh, how did you measure them? And, you know, um, what happened with, with, in their situations, you know, with, going back to, you know, Jerry Wainwright in his five years, Oliver Purnell in his five years, and not, then Dave Leto 2.0, the second stint of Dave Leto, and, and six years there. And the big thing it is when you look at every single one of them is what did they do to get to the postseason? And yeah. the big postseason that we're talking here, we're talking about getting to uh, the dance, getting to the NCAA tournament. And that's something none of those three regimes uh, did. Um, you know, Leto in his second stint only made the CBI. Um, Purnell never sniffed the postseason. And uh, the best that uh, Wainwright had was uh, the NIT there. So, yeah, if you look at um, Stubbs, you know, five years from now, 
uh, how are people going to say, you know, was he successful? Well, the big thing is, did he get him to the tournament? Yep, sure. Uh, and you know, at this point, we're not even talking about getting into the tournament and winning games or going deep in the tournament. It's for DePaul. It's just let's get there first. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I would love to see a strong DePaul program. It'd be a super fun rivalry, you know, 90 minutes away, um, twice a year. Wintrust, Fiserv, I, I really hope um, Stubblefield can get it going. Um, so taking it back to this year, DePaul has had a fairly similar start <clears throat> to the season at, as Marquette, kind of a surprisingly strong non-conference season, followed by some tough, close losses to open the conference season. Um, you know, Marquette the past couple of games have been able to write the ship against Providence and then Georgetown. So what do you and fellow DePaul fans want to see and, and kind of need to see out of this DePaul squad to start stringing together some Big East wins and maybe even pull out a win tomorrow night? For them to do that, uh, where they, you know, there's a few things that they have weaknesses right now where that they need to improve on. Um, but we're talking about a team that's 0-4 in the Big East. But when you look at them, they could easily have been 2-2. Two two. Yep. Um, yep. Just by doing a few things a, a little bit better. Um, and the big thing is on the defensive end, um, if you watch the game against 19th-ranked Villanova on Saturday and you saw the kind of defensive effort they put forth in the first half, if they were to play like that all the time, they could contend with anybody in the Big East. Um, and they certainly did with Villanova for at least, you know, 20 of those 40 minutes. Um, so that's really it. I mean, had they done that against St. John's or at Butler, um, they would have won those games, no doubt. Um, also just, you know, the inconsistency with the ball handling, the turnovers, um, that was another factor that cost them that game at Butler. Um, that they you know, really uh, should have won. And as I mentioned earlier, the free throw shooting, um, that definitely is an area for improvement or is a weakness for them right now. Yeah, that sounds to me exactly like Marquette's first few games in each one of them. Just couldn't do the little things, some defensive lapses and at key moments. And then all of a sudden a switch flipped. So you never know. Uh, the switch could flip tomorrow night at Pfizer. So, so what's your prediction for how the game turns out tomorrow? Uh, can I go with the Mr. T prediction from Rocky three? Sure. sure hey. <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, when you see a team you know, and you saw it with Marquette, you get to an, off to an zero and three start and your backs up against the wall. Um, you can see that, you know, that team can go out and surprise you and do things. And DePaul was in a similar situation a couple of years ago. They'd done well in the non-conference, got into conference play, and they suddenly went into a losing skid. And then they had a game at home against Butler, who at the time was ranked fifth in the country. And they just come out and play an unbelievable game, knock off the fifth-ranked team. And, uh, you know, everything was great. And really it was because they were in that situation where their backs are up against the wall and they're just so desperate for a win that you see a team come out and play with like their hair is on fire. Um, so, and I think you saw that last week with mm -hmm. the Providence game. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. It looked like a totally different team night and day. Yep. 
And that's what happens when you, you get a team that's, you know, so desperate for, for gaining a, a conference win. So that's kind of the situation DePaul's in right now. And yeah, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, you know, to uh, come out of there. It really depends on what kind of DePaul team shows up. Uh, getting off to a good start has also been a, a, an issue for them in some of the games. Uh, that game against Villanova, they got off to a really good start and you know, yeah. led by five at the half. Um, you know, so that's obviously an important key for them too. They need to be able to start well and, uh, you know, focus on some of those, uh, turn some of those weaknesses into strengths and yeah, they, they can pull this one off. All right. Well, thank you for your time. It sounds like it could be a great game tomorrow night. Uh, two, two, two programs with new head coaches, new styles of play. Um, should be a fun one. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Steve. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yep, thanks. Fantastic preview from Dr. Keegan. Thank you to Sam Newhouse of WeAreDePaul.com for coming on with us. We appreciate the insight. And thank you to the greatest fans in college basketball for joining us today. Don't forget, February 26th, we live at Uncle Buck's National Marquette Day, breaking down the entire Marquette Butler team with Travis Diener. Make sure you check us out. Have a fantastic day. We out.